friends and enemies, welcome to the first ever State of Satoshi panel on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast. So a name that has come under fire today from our friends at Green Candle. They feel like they invented it. They did not. They've been Red Candle guys headline. you're talking about? That's right. Red Candle Investments. Yeah. If you want to lose a bunch of money, that's where you park it. Anyways, this show, no. as, as with all episodes, brought to you by ShakePay, the mighty ShakePay, best place to buy and sell Bitcoin in Canada. Never sell your Bitcoin. Right now, they're running a promotion where you can be Shake Paid if you have the cashback visa card or the satsback visa card i should say i saw another one today len a good one for the bulk barn about sixty thousand sats on the house what does that equate to is that like 40 ish bucks am i right i don't measure i don't when people say bulk barn i measure the total value in the number of chocolate covered pretzels you can get that's the only thing i've ever gone to bulk barn for and i'd like to keep it that way until the day i die god willing i, I don't remember going to bulk barn to, to be <laughs> frank so i can't relate to any many memories to going there so you have to uh Forgive me on that. So, so Fortino, Longo's, the whole nine yards. I've been all those places, but <laughs> we, corner, uh, we got we got that promo. Uh, ShakePay also doing the, of course, shaking sats. If you use our promo code CBP, Charlie Beta Peter, link will be in the description on on the Twitter feed on everywhere that uh, you can read text related to this episode. We'll have it there, and if you use it, you shake your phone. They just stream you sats every day. The more days you do it in a row. The more sats you get, it's a thousand sats a day for me now. Is it a thousand sats a day for you? Uh, not quite yet. I'm getting there. I lost my streak uh, a little over a month ago, so I, I hang my head in shame every time I shake my phone. You're getting there. You think you're not going to be there again for another year, probably? It's going to be uh, a while. I it's 200 days, right? 200 days to get to a thousand. It's, it's it's a long time. I know you're basically uh, pulling the dagger out right now after shoving it <laughs> deep into the flesh. Thanks a lot, Joey. What uh, what else they got going on over there at uh, the big SP? I mean, we got some news today that I'm sure we'll cover tonight. But uh, as far as promotions and stuff for the well, uh, the people, I want to talk about every time you use the ShakePay Visa card, that 10 cents is going to be donated to the Children's Aid Foundation. So this is a great initiative by them. So every time you use the card, there's going to be a donation that's going to be given to a, a very worthy foundation. So there's um. You know, continue using it. Obviously, it's going to help you out for getting the Satoshis, but also helping us some children. We got uh, Jordan in the chat, friend of the show. He's on day 176. Not bad. Not bad. Getting yeah. there. So tonight's uh, panel needs no introduction. If you've uh, been a listener of this show, we've had all these fine gentlemen on some more than others uh, over the last uh, nine months or 10 months. We're going to try to discuss some of the most relevant topics in the Bitcoin space. I, I dare say the crypto space, uh, stuff that's relevant to Canadians as far as macro and whatever else is on the minds of these guys. They're, you know, close to the road. They, they got skin in the game and uh, we're going to bring them in one at a time. I'll, I'll bring them in in the order that they showed up in the green room before the show and we'll let them do a quick introduction. Then once they're all in, Len will hit us with the first topic. How's that sound, buddy? You ready? I'm game. Okay. Okay. First on deck. A man uh, you'll recognize, Mario Gibney. How you how doing, guys doing? Great. How are you, brother? Doing well. Thanks for having me on again. Again. Happy to have you. So you're the director of community or at Ledin still. Uh, I was gonna let you do like an intro. Who are you? Whatever. Why don't, but why don't think, you do my intro? <laughs> maybe I'll do. Maybe I'll do for all. You, I'll do for all you guys. Maybe. How's that? Then saves uh, saves you guys. Uh, you know, for the the discussion that you're here to participate in. So there's Mario Gibney. You recognize him. Next up, we have. I mean, his camera is off at the moment. I don't know where he is. There he <laughs> <Sorry>. is. <laughs> Hello. Car Car Carlo. I th I've never said Carlo's last name out loud. I'm going to try it. Campisi? You got it. Carlo Campisi. He's the yeah. 
what are you director of partnerships partnerships manager yeah yeah partnerships at uh, at uh, shakepay yeah you know, so shakepay's you know got some oh you know we're gonna find out today <laughs> anyway uh so as i mentioned to these guys before the show we're uh two to two here men with uh hair down to their shoulders and probably longer actually in both cases mario flexing his carlo still in the bun last up we got no we got odin orgel he's the ceo of ocean falls blockchain uh among other things, I'll leave it there, Odette. If you want to, uh, if, if you want to tell people all your credentials, you feel free. I have no issue with it at all. You know what? Uh, happy. How about father of five and couple dogs, um, <laughs> and a weekend warrior on the rink. Love it. Love it. Father of five is a real Bitcoiner thing at this point, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh... again. We'll go back to. I like to say allegedly father of five. My wife has five kids, and uh, <laughs> she claims they're all mine. Um, as I like to tell people, I'm sure I was out of town on a couple, but, yeah, but who knows? You, you might who have knows? other kids. You might have other kids you don't know about. So they might even <laughs> out in the end. It's, uh... We won't go there. We won't go there. But where we will be going is to uh, talk about some Bitcoin related stuff. And first person I want to direct the question to is Oded. And I want to talk about Canadian mining developments. And if you could talk about some of the recent developments that basically, uh, you know, we, we heard about it. I, one thing I could just give you a softball was the Intel low voltage ASIC miners, for instance. Um, could you tell us what's going on in the Bitcoin mining space? What's happening? What's coming out? What things excite you? And what are we going to be expecting moving forward? All right. Well, first of all, hey, guys, thanks for inviting me on. Uh, it's a lot. I'm looking forward to having a lot of fun over the next hour and a half. So, I mean, there's, you know, from a technical aspect, I'll be the, let me uh, first say, I'm not going to be the expert. I mean, uh, as CEO of Ocean Falls Blockchain, we've got our guy, Kevin Day, who's my partner, is the CTO and really understands the details of it. But, you know, from a macro level, maybe that's what I'll start. I mean, obviously, we've heard, you know, over the last couple of weeks, what happened in Kazakhstan, they had a bit of a power outage. Um, you know, and you see that. I don't know if some of you also saw recently or today it was announced that the uh, Russian bank has said that at some point they're going to outlaw Bitcoin mining or and, and Bitcoin. I mean, for me, from a perspective, what that tells me is you're going to see more and more miners gravitate towards North America. Um, there's the opportunity here. We've got, you know, there's there are there is power across North America, variety of sources. Hopefully, you know, we're we're exclusively renewable energy. You're going to see that. You've got you know uh, power in Texas, and I think that you're going to see more and more miners gravitate towards North America for a rule of law, right? That there's certainty. The power is not going to be turned off. There's not going to be a coup tomorrow. The Chinese government's not going to say suddenly that they don't want to do that. Um, so that's positive, you know, for all our North American mining partners and, and and for us included. So that's some from a macro level. I mean, if we start to talk about some of the machines out there, I'm not sure if that's where you're going, Joey, but um, you know, that, that's really where I would start is I think that, you know, we've got lots of opportunity here in North America and that's, you know, where blockchain and Bitcoin is going to be accepted democracies, you know, uh, freedom, freedom of knowledge, freedom of exchange, capital markets. Well, let's I'm talk curious. about it a bit. Oh, oh, sorry, uh, you know, Mar Mario and Carlo are, uh, in sort of a different bucket than you, Oded, but still have, I think quite a keen eye for regulatory developments and, I'm curious if you guys feel this way as well, and you're seeing this as far as uh, your maybe your client base. I know I know both of you probably have uh, some eye on international clients. Maybe you more than Carlo Mario. Are you seeing similar things? Are you are you hearing that people are more interested in dealing with Canadian companies than companies in their own jurisdiction, just based on the regulatory consistency? 
Um, I, it's hard for me to tell how much of it has been a shift recently, but I do know for a fact that we, uh, we, we do tend to get a pretty positive response when people find out we are based in Canada. Um, you know, as people may or may not know, um, at Leiden, we have a very, very um, a heavy focus on Latin America. We, we have a, a, a strong client base, um, uh, you know, in Central and South America. And, uh, you know, I, I noticed this a lot when we went down to LabitConf that um, uh, people seem to genuinely appreciate the fact that we offered kind of full Spanish support, but we were also based in Canada. Uh, like there definitely is an advantage to be um, uh, based in location where, you know, the regulatory environment is uh, more stable than other places. And, you know, one of the cool things about Bitcoin um, is that, uh, you know, we can be based in Toronto and uh, take advantage of that stable environment and yet provide services to people all over the world. I think we've cracked like 127 countries now and like um, for active clients. And um, yeah, it's kind of cool that um, uh, that we can, uh, you know, take advantage of that. Um, but yeah, I'll let, uh, I'll let Carlo go. Well, yeah, we're, we're more on the consumer side and because we're strictly Canadian, right? Uh, in that sense, this is not something that affects, uh, not that it doesn't affect us directly, but we're not, you know, dealing with, um, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate directly with our, you know, business model, uh, so to speak. So I can't, I don't have much to say as, as a, an experience with how this is affecting ShakePay from a, you know, retail consumers perspective on, you know, buying Bitcoin or using the card for that, for that matter, which are two flagship products. What do you guys all feel about Block getting into the whole Bitcoin mining, uh, ASIC miner creation game? Because I know that they want to start creating some uh, ASIC miners. And in my opinion, it seems like a good thing because it's going to be taking away some of the market share from the um, the miners that are being created in the Far East. And uh, um, anything to bring them on a more domestic level. I, I think this is a good good move. Um, what are your thoughts? We'll start with you, Odin. Look, I, I think the reality is, look, let's take a step back. We know that blockchain, Bitcoin mining is, is a very new industry. And, you know, there were a couple uh, manufacturers who got into the game very, very early. I mean, and, you know, effectively, there's, there's somewhat of an oligopoly. An oligopoly. I mean, I think what's going to happen as we continue to move forward, um, you know, technology revolution, competitors come into the game, and I think that's that's really healthy. That's we will continue to see an evolution and development in that area. So whether it's Block or whether it's another manufacturer, I think that over time, more competition is great. It, it allows for it allows for you know reducing the the costs you know of the mining machines, uh, and continues as part of the evolution. I mean that that's what's exciting about this business. It's you're going to continue to see that over time, where new competitors, new you know new 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 partners come into the business over time. Yeah, I mean, ditto to all that. I mean, you know, I, I it, it makes me um. I, I'm reminded of what happened back in 2017 in terms of like, you know, when we had, um, you know, one single ASIC manufacturer had a considerable amount of influence and uh, was tempted to use it in ways that a lot of the community didn't like. And I, I figured that the, the more widely distributed we can get that industry, the um, the, the better off for Bitcoin is going to be. And, you know, for me, it's not even as much of a concern. Um, uh, I mean, ge geographically distributed um, manufacturers are a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but just even just more companies of any kind getting into it and more options um, is going to be healthy. How about getting into like the orphan gas wells? I'm going to kind of divert a little bit here. Is it, The way I look at it, Bitcoin miners that are taking advantage of these stranded sources of energy, this should theoretically be a good thing. But for whatever reason, it's kind of you know brushed to the side and nobody's really talking about this. Any particular reason why? 
Well, again, if I may, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I'll, I'll jump in here. I, I just had this conversation with someone the other day. Let's, again, take one step back. Why are we called, the whole concept of minors, I mean, it, it brings on sometimes a negative connotation to it, and that's unfortunate. Um, and we know that, you know, there's a play out there that, you know, Bitcoin mining uses all this power and is, again, is inefficient. Um, but first, two things. First of all, we've got a um, we've got a new technology um, that we understand that we know that there are areas of non-renewable um, sources of power that have been used for it in the past. But we're seeing that transformation. It's well over 50 percent right now where it's renewable energy. Um and then what's going to happen with any two new technology, it's going to find other areas to become more efficient and, and use that process over time. So I think this is it's an it's exciting part. I mean, and unfortunately, you know, often new technologies are inefficient. You know, that that happens. And there's you know, we're, we're working through this process. Um, but I was just talking to again, say someone today, let's talk about inefficiencies. Well, I just spent fifty dollars to wire money you know, overseas for, for 1500 bucks. And again, how much paper was used in that? How much computing power? How many buildings at each of the individual banks were used through that? Let's talk about inefficiencies. So it, 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 there's a process, Len. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see, and it, it over time, you know, people will come to recognize that whether it's stranded power, various forms of renewable energy are all part and parcel of blockchain. And again, the evolution of what we're doing on this technological on, on this side. And the fact that now they're going to be pushing away the mining out of Russia, this, I mean, in my opinion, this should be something that's also we should be celebrating because obviously we're not uh, aligned with them in terms of ideology and so forth. So, Having them kind of kick out uh, Bitcoin from that country, I think this is a rather bullish. I mean, well, that's just my opinion. I, I <laughs> you're, no, you're right. It's not that you're, it's not that you're wrong. It's that it's that for us, like in the, in the space, right? If you're if you're someone who's been around, if you're you know Ocean Falls, or if you're Carlo or Mario or Joey, you know sort of the ins and outs of like the incentive structure and why it's important that Russia, you know, Russia's removing miners, what, you know, when China removed miners, how the hash rate rebound, all that stuff. The, the thing I think that, you know, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think as well, obviously. Um, I know I'm like, I'm playing panelists now a little bit, but the, I, I would just, the thing I would ask is like, what is the community's role in making sure that these narratives take hold? that, you know, moving miners from uh, sort of dictatorial governments and, and their jurisdictions to places like Texas, for example, is important. It's not about, well, now Texas's grid, which was under stress earlier in the year, is now going to be under more stress and other nonsense like that. So how do you make the, how do you make the new narrative take hold? That's what we got to figure out, right? I don't know the answer to that. I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. I mean, this, I'm actually not that worried because, um, when there's money to be made, uh, people have a way of figuring out um, the, uh, the 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 kind of answers that we want them to find out. Like you know, I'd like sure, like right now, there's like there's a lot of like hating on Bitcoin for like um, you know its energy consumption. But you know, as I'm sure all of us in this chat, probably most of the listeners know, there are actually some really really big benefits and kind of uh, stabilizing um, effects that Bitcoin mining can have in a region. And you know, when you know when China um, you know kicks its miners out. Um, it's uh you know the, the 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 there's profit that then moves to other parts of the world places benefit and the more countries do this the more um, money there's going to be to be made at the countries that don't kick miners out and I think that's going to be something that becomes um like it, it can take a bit of time before that stuff really sinks in the community like I mean 
like it, it's still really recent that um, that China uh, kicked their miners out, and you know then the process of like moving those mining miners uh, to another part of the world, setting up a new operation, um, you know, paying down the initial investment. Remember that like uh, if you're a miner, there's um, it, it generally takes you like quite a few months of mining before you you know paid off the initial investment, and then. Um, uh, you know, people like the average Joe is going to, you know, want to see that this is going to be, uh, you know, this is going to be an industry that sticks around for a while, doesn't like show up, build a bunch of stuff, make a bunch of money and then take off. You know, Bitcoin mining, you know, I'm sure we believe is going to be here for the long term. And I think it's just going to take a bit of time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, maybe that's not too helpful in that, like, I haven't given any actual advice for us in terms of like what we can do to spur this on. But I guess it's more of a message of optimism that I, I think that's going to kind of sort itself out um, in, in the long run. Yeah. I'll, and, and I'll add that I think there's like a, um, a non-sequential hierarchy of FUD. And and when when people come into Bitcoin, you know, of course, very much, uh, you know, uh, sort of connected to the, the retail consumer and, you know, you know, DCAing and just like even someone just getting intro to, to, to Bitcoin for the first time. Um, there's and we have these discussions internally all the time you know you know how do you you know how do you convert the middle funnel how do you get people to reactivate and then you know people that sign up and never and never buy and uh or you know what's holding them back and um everyone goes through this uh these you know questions of insecurity as they you know as they build their resolve around why they should why they should own this and why they should start to um to get more comfortable with it and so uh you know, it could be the, you know, government FUD, it could be the energy FUD. And, uh, you know, those you end up like sort of having to tick those boxes off one at a time. So uh, all that to say is I'm not sure where, like, if you can blanketly say that the, you know, energy FUD or the Russia thing is, uh, is at the top of someone's list that's going to be like, oh, now I'm definitely not going to go into Bitcoin because of, because of this news, right? Uh, th that might be like third on their list of FUD that you have to, you have to penetrate before they get there. So uh, it's way more nuanced than like what the community can do. Cause I think everyone's going to look at, um, you know, the, their, you're going to read the news that you want to, you know, justify your own uh, predisposed convictions. Yeah. So, Oh, oh, sorry, okay, go ahead. No, I was just really going to reinforce what, what, what Mayor and Claudio said, like where you look at it. Look, as a capitalist, people will flow to where there's opportunity and to make money and lend to your point. I mean, that's it. So, again, initially, you, you know, cheap cost of power in China, the opportunity to build and same thing, whether it's Kazakhstan or Russia. I had conversations earlier this year with some Chinese miners when they were in the process of getting you know, move, uh, having to move out of China. And I told them the price that it was going to cost them here, you know, again, and their first comment to me was, well, in Syria, I can get it for one penny, you know, per kilowatt. It was like one fifth the price. And my comment was, if you want to go to Syria, go to Syria. I mean, that's, but I think what's happening again is to everybody's point, you're going to see people gravitate over time. They're willing to pay perhaps a slightly higher price, but there's rule of law. There's certainty, there's capital markets, there's dedicated power. I mean, Joey, you mentioned Texas. Texas is a great source of power. Sometimes there's uncertainty in the grid. And again, that will all play in the cost of power, whether you want to go to, you know, Texas or New York or British Columbia or Quebec or Idaho. And business people will have to make that decision. What we do know is North America has rule of law. North America, you know, has real power. North America has certainty. So I think business owners or times will gravitate to those areas.
So one thing, um, you know, as far as sentiment and uh, this this sort of FUD that uh, you guys are, it seems to me none of you are struggling with, to be honest with you, is uh, how, how much it's hurting you from, you know, as far as getting money from investors. Uh, we got two guys on this call who one, you know, one is probably still, the body is still warm on the raise uh, ShakePay just made. And uh, Mario over at Ledin did a raise, I think in the summertime, eh, Mario, or maybe uh, early fall. And Oded, I'm sure you're constantly raising capital over at Ocean Falls. So from from that point of view, maybe we'll start with you, Carlos, since uh, since you're the, you know, the the fresh, talk of the day. Meat. Yeah, talk of the day, right? <laughs> so uh, let, talk to us about the ShakePay raise. What were the, uh, what, what was the sort of mood around that over at uh, HQ today and in the last little while? And uh, also, I'll note that Carlos sent us a DM today it's asking if we heard the news, as if it's news that every single company in this space is raising a fuck ton of money at every turn. <laughs> so, well, we were, we, we, we were under uh, under sworn secrecy until 9 a.m. And as partners, I wanted to I wanted to get you guys in the information as soon as I could. And I think I sent that out at like 9.05 or something. So come on, man. Where's the love? I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> um no, uh, yeah, seriously, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it, it's, you know, it's our first, it's our first round and, uh, and it was something that uh, I know that the, the founders and, you know, kind of all of us put a lot of thought into um, about, you know, where we, what we were trying to achieve. And uh, ultimately uh, it came down to the right fit uh, with, uh, with QED and, um, and, and just, having being able to accelerate the things that we want to do we get you know there's so much demand for bitcoin products and services uh you know not just within our user base but you know as a whole in canada the opportunity it seems like almost uh untouched really still to this point to uh, at this stage and so uh when you know when we're really you know blessed to be at a, in a position where you know we didn't need the capital but we wanted it because we wanted to you know fulfill a lot of different goals and, and move at a pace that would allow us to get that sort of escape velocity into in in um in, in the space for 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 the consumers to have the access to new products and services at a rate that they could you know we could be proud to to say that um to, to be proud to serve them so yeah that was that was the temperature that was the decision making sort of you know ideology and framework that we took around going after this and uh yeah jean our ceo he just crushed it um and, and yeah, so that was official today. Um, I don't know, if, you know, what the plans, uh, you know, divulge totally, but you know, we're, we're working uh, constantly on different products and services and uh, everything is going to be focused around, uh, around Bitcoin as far as like our new mission, you know, ushering in the Bitcoin golden age. Uh, how do we, how do we get uh, consumers to start adopting this uh, uh, low time preference behavior, uh, making savings cool again, uh, and that's, uh, and that's, and that's, you know, that's kind of the framework or the lens that we're going to be, uh, looking at when we make decisions going forward. Mario, do you, could you talk a little bit about, uh, the fundraising that Ledin has done? And then later on, Oded, I want to hear about, uh, perhaps some of the trials and tribulations that you have to undergo, because I, from what I understand, Bitcoin miners are, um, it's very difficult to raise capital. So I want to hear a little bit of stories, but, uh, maybe you could give us some more stories, but go ahead. Mario, you go up first. Yeah, sure. We uh, we did raise. I um, actually we've raised three rounds in the last year. Or so I think the the the, the seed round uh, and then Series A and then Series B um, as recently as December. Um, 
Uh, where we raised 70 million and uh, it was kind of funny because our, our we, we paired that announcement with the announcement of bitcoin mortgage um which ended up taking a lot more of the spotlight um uh which was uh you know quite pleased with that news but it, it did mean that people ended up focusing a bit less on the uh on the raise itself but um uh yeah i mean it's it's uh you know to, to be honest like it, it seems like it's a very very good time to be raising money in this space there's is uh, a lot of uh, uh a lot of willing funders chasing worthwhile projects um and uh, yeah, I like. I think it's going to be really interesting in the next few years. We're going to see uh, which uh, which companies have been able to put that capital to its best use. Because you know, I don't think we can assume that these periods of like you know um, high investment uh, potential are uh, you know here to stay. These things do come in waves. And um, uh, yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm really excited because i mean we have all like you know now we're extremely well capitalized people to grow the team a lot more and start providing these mortgages which are the they are quite capital intensive you know the the industry that we are in it's, it's a very different type of capital intensity than um than uh you'll find in the mining industry um which is much more hardware based whereas uh you know in the the, the lending and borrowing space uh you know you just need capital more as a direct um uh uh you know part of the um uh, part of the products itself um so you know for that reason i, I think that um uh, actually yeah, i'm quite eager to hear um uh, oded uh kind of elaborate a bit on this in terms of what it's like for miners but i think it's a, a different set of difficulties that we face so now it's over to me joey uh so first of all i'm, I'm disappointed in you i mean again when i was on last time i was trying to tell you we're not just a miner i mean that's <laughs> it I mean, so i'm going to give you the pitch of what ocean falls again is a unified blockchain uh corporation which again we're committed to environmentally renewable conscious environmentally uh, conscious renewable energy crypto mining but with blockchain applications that solve real world problems. So, but I'm, I'm happy to talk about mining. Um, and your point is again, obviously that's one of the reasons you guys both all alluded to it, why we didn't necessarily want to focus just on mining. We believe again, that mining is a core part of our business and a core part of what's going on. Proof of work is not going to go away. Um, but I think again, what was just talked about is the massive capital expenditure that's necessary when you're buying machines that could depreciate over two or three three years. I mean, that that's a bit big expenditure. I mean, over time, I mean, that's going to be an important component. And we see that, you know, again, as, as the backbone. Uh, so we've got, you know, we've got a wonderful facility in British Columbia. We're looking for new sources of renewable energy power. And we're going to add that. We see our value proposition is understanding that business and actually probably being maybe 20, 30%, no more that of our own machines and then hosting other people. Um, and really the cash flow that's generated from that is going to be used to hopefully find other blockchain applications, you know, that are, that are going to, that are really going to change the world and solve and solve business problems out there. So it's a little bit tougher. I mean, to everybody's point, what's interesting about Bitcoin mining is, you know, some days you're eating tuna, some days you're eating caviar. I mean, as we know, um, and it was really good for the last six or eight months and now it might get a little more difficult. Um, so we see that, you know, as part of our business, um, and we're going to continue, we're going to continue to grow that. Um, but, and on the capital raise side, maybe I'll just let everybody know. And I think I may have mentioned we're in the final stages of actually going, going public. Uh, we've submitted our non-offering prospectus to the BC securities commission. We did our last small raise in November. Um, and we're excited. I mean, it's going to be, it's subject to the regulators, but over the next six, eight, 12 weeks, we will be a publicly listed company and having that value proposition of mining plus rather unique blockchain applications, you know, that really solve problems out there. 
I got a call from a CEO who will remain nameless earlier this week. And this CEO asked me uh, what I thought about investors who are calling about the business that uh, this CEO runs and how it would weather a drop to 30K, for example. And, you know, since the three of you have all been part of raises, you know, Dad, you're, you're a little further in the going public process, obviously. You know, what, what do you tell your investors? Because whether you're mining and doing blockchain applications, whether you're retail facing or whether you're lending and, and loans, there, there's going to be some concern, I'm sure, during the capital process, capital raise process about what are you going to do if the price falls off a cliff? And how is my money going to be safe or grow if the price falls off a cliff? What what do you guys tell these investors? I'd be curious to hear how you um, calm the nerves of the uh, the cash. Uh, well, I mean, that's uh, that that's I think uh, any you know I'm not uh, founder at the, at ShakePay, but I have raised money before, and so uh, you know any any founder who's raised money will tell you that. Uh, you know, you're you're looking for the right fit. Um, first and foremost, your investors have to uh, have to believe in in, in you and in, in what you're building, what your vision is. Uh, and yes, there is uh, sort of you know factors that are outside of your control when it comes to uh, when it comes to you know Bitcoin price specifically. To your question, Joey, but uh, ultimately, I think uh, there's it's it's we're the, the fact that Bitcoin is volatile, it comes with the package of being uh, an interested investor into a Bitcoin company. Uh, you, there's opportunity uh, in those lulls and that there's opportunity in that volatility. And the trust goes into uh, us figuring out the best way to make the most of those opportunities um, and, and how we, you know, how we come up with different uh, strategies to excite the market uh, or, you know, excite our users and basically you know, our goal to uh, create these low tie preference behaviors and get people to understand the long-term value proposition that is Bitcoin, uh, a dip should actually equate to excitement in the, in the market as far as Bitcoin consumers go, if we're doing our job. Yeah, look, again, I, I've been in the capital markets for, for 25 years, guys. And look, I, I think what Carlos said is, is very important. I mean, what, what you're trying to create, first of all, you've got to articulate your own company's value proposition. And, you know, if there's really something behind it, I mean, in, in our case, we've got real cash flow coming in from our mining operation. Granted, it's tied to Bitcoin, um, you know, and and but we've also got some cash. People are paying rent on our mining facility. Um, on the other side, and again, what everybody else is on this call is doing, it's research and development. You're, we're in a new sector. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, again, this is where the internet was in 1995, 96, 97. Um, and with that comes volatility, with that comes risk, but as has as, as been said, you know, also comes opportunity. Um, so I think if you're, for me, from my perspective, I mean, when I've raised capital and I've done it for a number of companies, I try to be transparent with people. I'm saying, listen, as a CEO, I believe in my company. I've personally invested in it. Here we have a model. We have projections. Here's how we go. We're not trying to BS you about where we're going, but understand, I mean, to your point, Joey, it doesn't matter how great any of our companies are tomorrow if bitcoin drops from 43 to 34 your stock's gonna if you're publicly listed your stock's gonna drop 35 40 percent and again the comments made it's absolutely true that's 
you're talking about now buying the same suit that you got a thousand bucks at 400, but that's not easy for people. And, and, mm-hmm. and it's difficult. Um, so you, I think you've got to be transparent. I think you've got to tell people and hopefully be able to articulate your value proposition, have good people with you. Um, but you're going to inevitably, and I can tell you for a fact, if I share the horror stories with us, I've had some angry calls because we've been, you know, raising, we raised our first capital in 2017. And as I said, I don't want to bore everybody, but I'm happy to tell you our war stories, <laughs> you know, how we've been, we were worth 13 and a half million on paper, you know, at a post raise back in January, 2018. And a year and a half ago, my partner and I tried to sell our company for $400,000 and had no bids. And now we've raised money again. And our last raise were worth north of 20. And I can make an argument. I believe we're undervalued at that price. Welcome to Bitcoin, guys. And <laughs> welcome to blockchain. Do you feel that, I mean, going forward, the people that are, are investing or will be investing, they're just aware of the fact that Bitcoin has some potential volatility. It's not like this is something it just come out of the blue and we, we don't know about it. But now it's it's been in the, the mainstream media for some time. People are, are looking at it on a daily basis and they understand the you know, price may go up and the price may go down too. But don't you think that now investors might have a little bit more of a thicker skin moving forward? If you're asking me, look, I think there's a maturation in the investor. There's a maturation in our industry. So absolutely, I think people do understand that. Um, That that said, look, as I said, I've been an investor personally for almost 30 years and I still get pissed off when, you know, I talk to my advisor and you buy something and it's, you know, six months later, it's down 30 (laughs) percent. I mean, that's human nature. People are looking to blame somebody else. And I understand that. But to your point, Lynn, absolutely. I think people understand it. I, I think, you know, and again, we've, we've continued to see the ecosystem grow in both Bitcoin mining, blockchain. People understand things a lot better. And, you know, Joey, to your point, I wouldn't be shocked if we see, you know, and I, I don't want to see it, but I wouldn't be shocked if we see Bitcoin at 35,000 or 34,000 in a flash crash of some sort. I do think we're not. I don't believe we're going to see it back down to 10,000. You know, unlike when in January 2018, we closed our raise, Bitcoin was just hit 20 grand and we saw it go down to three. I mean, that's an 85% drop. And that's only the third or fourth worst drop. I mean, back in 2015, it dropped 95%. So that's the world we live in. And I think as it continues to grow, then I think you're right. People understand that. Uh, but Again, I'll use something. Look at what Peloton stock was. You know, like it was 150 bucks. I don't even know where it is today. They're they're stopping to make bicycles now. It's 25. Like, 25. There you go. It's uh. So is it 25? Oh yeah. yeah. Peloton and Netflix today. Like they're honestly like Beelzebub is starting to see those red candles are down so much. It's not. It's not pretty over there. Yeah. Yeah. So again, to lend your point, people people do understand it, and I think. Again, uh, I can't speak for the, everybody on on other companies, you know, on their market. We're a small company. I mean, we we hope to list, you know, in the range of thirty to forty million valuation, maybe higher. God, you know, God willing, but that's still small, you know, by today's standards. We know, and uh, that's why I can make an argument that I think we're undervalued. But we'll let the market determine that. Yeah, and and and, and to your point, Oda, like the, uh, the it's still. Uh, it's still quite a blue ocean in terms of how early we are uh, in, in, you know, crypto as a whole, it's very frothy, uh, which, you know, can be argued that, you know, those are usually where bubbles form, but uh, the, uh, at the end of the day, 
your uh, in you know venture capitalists you know take uh, you know take, make a lot of bets because uh, they got a hit on some of them and the the reason why all this money is coming in now is because there will be inevitably some winners in this space and it's been it's quite significantly become uh, de-risked compared to what it was when Oded, what you're talking about, 27, 2018. Uh, those were like the fringe, you know, the fringe investors right. going after, uh, going after the, the the crazy, the crazy cypherpunks. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I think we're we're way beyond that now in the institutional capital. There will be there will be mistakes that are going to be made, and people will get their faces melted off. Um, and uh, and that's okay because that's the game that is venture capitalism. Uh, but ultimately, I think that uh, that this is. A well understood game at this stage, and and pe people are excited to play it because there are going to be some pretty big winners. Yeah, I agree. So, just switching gears, then um, I want to talk about uh, some Bitcoin products that we're going to be expecting in perhaps the medium term future. Um, and since we have three people here from different segments of the Bitcoin ecosystem, we're going to get some hopefully different answers. And I'm curious to see what you all think. What uh, what sort of product products we'll be expecting? in the uh you know medium term future like I, I know recently we had uh bitcoin sorry uh Ledin, for instance they're offering the bitcoin backed mortgages and we had recently shake pay with the shake pay visa card these are all relatively new uh and Ledin's uh, product was the world first in fact so i'm going to give each of you an opportunity to talk about the products maybe you have and what do you think is going to be coming out in the medium term going forward and we'll start with you mario yeah, sure. Um, well, you gave a great intro already for the Bitcoin mortgage, um, as you said, world first. Um, and man, I just feel like I've, I've said this to your audience so many times. We're going to do it again because you got new listeners, right? Um, we're uh, yeah, no, we uh, like we, we basically extend our expertise from the lending space. We've been doing Bitcoin backed loans um, uh, for quite a few years now, and uh, we've extended um, our product suite to include uh, financing your Bitcoin to purchase real estate and uh with bitcoin mortgage so you know this is um i mean i i guess i guess today since i, I can kind of assume that most people are already as uh, familiar with the product like to talk about it in broader terms like one of the reasons why i'm really personally excited about this and i think why it got as big a uh, good of a reception as it did is that even though i think there's a lot of people out there who may not be quite ready to take out a bitcoin back mortgage just yet but it does kind of represent another um you know, another industry um, into which Bitcoin is going to leave its mark. We are, you know, we're expanding into um, uh, into real estate in a way that, you know, um, didn't happen to date, right? You know, Bitcoin early on was just, it was, uh, you know, essentially like an experiment. It was something that, you know, um, uh, you know, people speculated on, then it, you know, started having like gradually more and more use cases. And I, you know, I think this is just one more step in that direction, which is why, um, uh, yeah, I, I think people have been pretty excited about it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's 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 going to be really interesting seeing as things go forward. You know, the degree to which uh, Bitcoin kind of replaces stuff, uh, ex replaces existing um, uh, tools and and services in the financial industry. Uh, to what degree it uh, complements them, uh, I, I think that's a really, really interesting um, uh, question to ask here. I did, I did a, a Twitter poll uh, on this today, actually, because I, I do find that there's a few different strains of thinking in the Bitcoin space. Some people seem to see the legacy financial system as um, a, kind of a bad idea or evil and something that we need to kind of destroy and replace with Bitcoin. And then, um, you know, other people tend to view it as, you know, this kind of overall good idea that's, you know, uh, provided, you know, a lot of uh, useful uh, tools for people to date, but we can improve on with Bitcoin or like to what degree is our Bitcoin services going to 
uh, become like additive and uh, something extra people can use. And I think there's kind of valid perspectives to take or valid points that each of those perspectives has. Um, but yeah, I'm, um, it's, it's an exciting time anyway, seeing uh, as we make more and more inroads and, uh, and again, I'm just reminded as well, like how far we've come in terms of like, you know, the conversations are no longer about like, is it here to stay? Are people going to use it? Like we're here. It's a question of like, how, um, exactly is the world going to be changed by what's um, next? By these That's the question. Exactly. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like we, we know Bitcoin's going to be part of it. It's, it's no longer a question. Um, it's yeah. just, uh, you know, to, to, to what degree. And uh, in what ways is it going to uh, influence the world now? That's a that's a pretty good first answer. That's a tough uh, pair of shoes to fill there for whoever goes next. Carlo, <laughs> you're next. You're next. <laughs> oh. oh, there you go. Sorry, there you go. Uh, if you want, look, uh, uh, Carlo, I'll jump in. I mean, uh, you know, again, what there's so many sectors. I mean, that you know, the blockchain is going to is going to affect. I mean, we we in our first sector, we believe in the insurance sector. The insurance sector is ripe for disintermediation. It isn't sexy necessarily from a capital markets perspective, but my comment is is there's a reason why Warren Buffett you know, you know, invest, you know, invest in insurance companies. So our first blockchain application, we, you know, we see the opportunity. There's something called the captive insurance market. Captive insurance market is $61 billion US market out there. And really what it is, captive insurance is as opposed to is where similar companies or one company will all like get together and create their ins own insurance company for a, um, a similar liability. You know, so that means and therefore what you can do is you can look over time to reduce the cost of administration and premiums by 35 percent because you're not outsourcing it to another third world insurance, third third party insurance company, which is doing a bunch of different things. Um, you know, and where blockchain can come into this effect over times is, again, on the DeFi space. Perhaps you can use and we're going to use look to use Bitcoin as the um, the reserve. You know, because whenever you have insurance, there's got to be a side amount of reserve in case there's liabilities that are going to be involved in that. So insurance is one sector that is ripe. We've talked about the financial services sector indirectly. I mean, again, you're going to see in the real estate sector, one sector already, you know, they're dealing on, on the mortgage side. But over time in the healthcare sector, I mean, there's so many different areas. I mean, in ours, Len, you know, we were focusing on insurance. I see other areas. I mean, I see it over time, you know, in Web 2.0, Web 3.0. Point oh, the intersection over time. You know, we haven't really said that word yet. The metaverse, which is like the big buzzword right now, but again, there. You know, the what is the metaverse and, and virtual? How does that all intersect? I really see. You know, again, you look at Canada particularly. You know, um, small business owners. I mean, yeah, they can drive people to their own store through Google and through their web, but you know, is is is. Um, is the metaverse can that be you know intersected with this can i sort of set an arrangement where i can work with joey you know what i'll meet you in downtown at the eaton center you know and we look and we decide before we go down there not that i go to the eaton center joey believe me my kid does but that's <laughs> but do we want to hook up at the starbucks i mean or again in all seriousness what if you've got a friend coming in from overseas and you want to show him or her you know what it looks like to hang out down at the beaches i mean you know can you create these opportunities over time so i'm sort of jumping on to another topic we, we see insurance a, a, as a place where we can really work it and again that's what we're all about and i and, and i go mario and carlo's businesses are all about solving real world problems someone commented earlier 2017 was just about adding blockchain to the end of your name icos and a lot of other stuff we're now seeing you know 
the, the, the maturation of the blockchain, the maturation of companies. It still doesn't mean there aren't going to be mistakes and there aren't going to be companies that are going to fall apart, but they're all focused on, again, solving these problems over time. Sorry, over to you, Carlo. Oh, it's all, all good. Yeah, no, um, honestly, I, 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 I'm, I can't say much more than what, uh, what these two uh, wonderful gentlemen just, uh, just said, but I will, I will, I guess, uh, agree with uh, with Mario on the sort of complementing of the banking system. I think that that is a, a logical evolution uh, where it's not like the us against them uh, mentality that maybe this is how Bitcoin started off. But um, there is there there are there are uh, services and opportunities for the you know, banking systems that actually want to. Uh, you know, participate somehow in this and, uh, you know, relationships that they build with with uh, crypto and Bitcoin companies is going to just make uh, the companies in the space uh, have a more presence, a more opportunity and more strength to kind of advance, you know, get into like sort of this, this red taped world that has otherwise been reserved for a very exclusive, exclusive bunch. And as far as like, um, as far as, you know, products and services, uh, that can come from that. Uh, I, I, this is not really a product or a service, uh, but it's more of an ethos. And I think, uh, as far as you know, why Bitcoin is, you know, at, around this store of value narrative that is advancing a lot of its adoption. Uh, I think more and more, uh, you know, Bitcoin-focused companies are going to have this, you know, uh, not just a responsibility, but um, it's going to be part of their brand to advocate for this financial literacy for customers to understand. To, it's going to be part of why them and why it, Bitcoin is important. And I think financial literacy as a whole is going to become something that uh, more and more businesses in Bitcoin take on as a responsibility because that's what's going to get their customers, uh, you know, I guess, more eager to adopt uh, and, and I guess cross the chasm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, right now we're living in like these, the cycles of economic collapse are getting shorter and shorter. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we're, uh, you know, people are not, are not so easily uh, sort of fooled by, uh, by whatever, like kicking the can down the road of monetary policy mechanism uh, that, you know, can distract them for the next, you know, 50 years. Uh, but every couple of years, it seems like uh, there's more chaos uh, so uh, people are wisening up to, uh, to, I guess, what money is. And I think crypto companies and Bitcoin companies in particular are going to have a focus on, uh, on bringing forward that sort of financial literacy narrative because it's meaningful for them, uh, because that's how the customers kind of start to like bridge those trust gaps uh, between their current uh, legacy institutional, you know, monetary sort of where they do business with their money to uh, a, crypto, uh, a crypto company. You guys have talked a little bit about uh, sort of, you know, directly and indirectly over the last little while, while Mario figures out what happened to his overhead light there. Uh, the, the, this sort of idea of uh, battling with uh, intermediaries. And you're all doing it to some level. You know, Dad, you mentioned insurance. Mm -hmm. Carlo and Mario, you guys are in different sort of retail-facing environments where you're, you're fighting with uh, traditional finance. I know there's some, you know, uh, <clears throat> cooperative leanings here in this, uh, in this room tonight, uh, that normally this show does not adopt, but, uh, this evening we'll, we'll play along and, uh, I'm, so, I'm curious. So kind. <laughs> so so I'm kind. Curious. My light so... might go off too then if you, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> if you go the other way. <laughs> I'm so I'm curious, 
you know, given when we talked a bit about sort of regulatory consistency and the importance of that, there's been a lot of noise in the last uh, two months, three months, certainly in the last year about what is next for Bitcoin from a regulatory perspective and what effect is that going to have on the usefulness of the asset? And there's a lot to say about stuff like this, I think, because we look at, you know, hearings like we saw today in the United States, this sort of energy and uh, energy and efficiency, um, you know, and the way that they in, in the U.S. have people who are really adding value in a lot of cases to the economy in a defensive posture for no reason other than to appease some, I think, probably what is a, a vocal minority of people. And in Canada, we've yet to see something on that scale, something so public and so widely available as far as like political commentary. But, you know, we have seen uh, growing course people talk about how CBDCs are coming into play and sort of coming into view, how energy is you know, frowned upon in some in some parts of this country in ways that maybe it shouldn't be. And so I'm wondering what the three of you are thinking as far as the medium term regulatory setting for Bitcoin and also for, of course, your own businesses. Uh, I'll, I'll, Oded, you've been good so far on taking the uh, first step. So I'll pass to you. All right. Uh, look, I'm an optimist. Uh, I've been in the capital markets. Market goes up 70% of the time. So I'm an optimist. But I, I will say this. I mean, again, and I've reiterated this before. It's a new it's a new industry. Um, and again, overall blockchain. And the way I see it over the last couple of years is, you know, the call it the purists on the blockchain, you know, cryptocurrency side have proceeded down one path. And then you've got the traditionalists and call it the government regulators have proceeded down another path. We're operating down two parallel paths. What I really believe is you're going to see those paths intersect. I mean, that's the reality of things over time. We all, I think, all believe on this call that, as people have said, the ecosystem has just gotten too big. You know, blockchain Bitcoin is not going away for all the right reasons. I mean, you know, it provides a service in so many different ways. It disintermediates. It creates efficiencies. So governments recognize that, but they're still not comfortable with it. They don't understand it. So you're seeing hesitancy in through all that. I mean, and that's whether it's government hearings in the United States. And as you said, Joey, here it's a little quieter. I think by the other, on the other side, you know, initially perhaps some of the people who initially started on Bitcoin block blockchain, again, were the purists. I mean, this is going to be completely decentralized, but now you've got business people on it. It's again, maturing and over time and people may want their boats and yachts and their cars and their private schools for kids. And they realize that has to intersect, you know, with what's going on in society. So I, I, I just believe you're seeing over time, you'll continue to see those two, two groups come together. Regulation from my perspective is a good thing. It just means more legitimacy on so many different levels. I mean, I'll share with you guys just a little bit. Again, it's when we went through, as we go through the process of being listed as a public company you go through an audit the auditors have a difficult time with bitcoin when is revenue recognized i mean is bitcoin really a currency or not we've gone through a number of different hurdles and we're not the only ones all the miners and all the blockchain companies as they go through this i mean you're sitting with several million dollars potentially on your books of, of bitcoin ethereum or other cryptocurrencies and and the auditors are not allowed necessarily to recognize that as revenue there, there's a learning curve out there. CRA, I mean, how do they deal with service providers, HST, GST, all those things. I mean, so, you know, you've been operating under these two different parallel paths and you're seeing it all come together, which is going to mean a lot of speed bumps, hiccups, 
pain in the ass. <laughs> and again, accountants make money. Lawyers make a ton of money off this because <laughs> they need to start to determine how the law works. But again, that's part of the process. I mean, that is the evolution. And again, you guys are all young on this call, Joey. I laughed at you last time, but you guys probably don't remember dialing up the internet in 1994 and hearing that oh you do okay good girl right same we're not about that young man all right okay <laughs> i remember i remember dial up yeah but my whole point i still is, do it <laughs> he's doing it on this call actually there you that's, go. Why the light, that's why the light went off before. <laughs> that, that's, that's it that's right yeah, my gerbil's still running i got a guy he's going but the point is it's like who the hell knew that when you went to www.something that that would turn into an Uber Eats app on your phone, you know, 20 years later. So I think, you know, this is, this is all part of, that's why for me again, and I, I know you guys all say you're my age. I'm an older guy. I love this. You, you know, you're just seeing how this is just changing things so quickly and so dramatically. And for the first time in a while, I can talk to my teenage kids about NFTs and stuff like that. And I'm more knowledgeable than them. It's kind of neat. Yeah, Sorry, but, I've rambled, yeah. but I, I see it all intersecting, Joey. I mean, that's what you're seeing. You're gonna just see these two worlds come together. And I, I couldn't agree more with uh, with you that uh, regulation is a good thing. Um, it validates on the uh, nation, like the sovereign state level. And say what you will about you know Wales, um, the the needle doesn't move really. If we're gonna talk about you know price uh, and uh, like real adoption, the needle doesn't move until like G7 countries start putting Bitcoin under treasuries. And uh, they don't do that until the regulatory framework is way more robust and outlined. Um, and so to, uh, to Oded's point again, there are these two uh, sort of, I guess, divergent paths that are slowly coming, coming together. Uh, but I think it's come to the point now, anyone, everyone on this call at least will agree that uh, governments and regulators realize that it's not going away this exactly. is not a, a thing that they can just you know wish away and hopefully it will pass uh so the they move slow but the movement to regulate and figure out uh how to live in a world where this exists uh is is definitely a part of their roadmap and unfortunately it doesn't happen fast enough and i uh i like what you said there joy at the top which is like these conversations are happening in congress uh, way more openly in the U.S. than they are here in Canada. Uh, you know, I don't even think I've heard a politician utter the word Bitcoin publicly. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, have, have has has anyone? What, heard? what about uh, you know, Pierre? In, in, Pierre, yeah, Pierre, Pierre, that's it, right? <laughs> yeah. Almost. He's he's saying everything except uh, <laughs> except Bitcoin at this point. But uh, yeah, he has my vote. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, yeah, no, but to uh, I guess to circle back, it's. Um, I think we're just laggers in general in, in this country when it comes to policy and, you know, in, especially for things that are of this, this importance, uh, we're very socialized in all our services and how we uh, run policy. Uh, there is in a way less capitalistic free market uh, framework. Uh, so for, for this conversation to happen, uh, I'm not surprised that it's taking a little bit longer uh, here in Canada. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, okay, I want to regain a bit of my libertarian cred here and that I wasn't deliberately trying to frame <laughs> things as like the legacy financial system is good and Bitcoin is just, I, I wasn't <laughs> suggesting that's the framework we should take. Uh, to be honest, I think the, the situation is more complicated and there are a few like, there are a few parts of the legacy financial industry that we definitely can and should be replacing, you know, like, you know, international payments, for example. I, I'm not, you know, too optimistic that uh, the um, kind of the SWIFT system is going to, 
um, need to stick around, you know, in the coming decade, for example. Um, you know, uh, so I think there are definitely certain aspects where we absolutely can just get rid of these uh, bad systems. Um, you know, you could also argue, I mean, depending on the degree to which you think that um, gold is a part of the legacy financial system, I think that uh, Bitcoin uh, can replace a lot of the um, a lot of what it does. Uh, you know, so I, 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 there are definitely uh, aspects of the the um, replace the bad thing uh, perspective that I, that I agree on. Um, as for regulation, I like I, I don't I, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say like regulation is good. I think that the, what what's really bad is um, uncertainty around regulation and uh, like regulation that uh, uh, that um, kind of gets rolled back and changed quite frequently. I'm a little more comfortable with things moving slowly um, as long as it, you don't have some environment where like, okay, like the regulation is introduced like hastily and then it's kind of rolled back and people don't know, you know, because we're ever hard to build kind of businesses and infrastructure in a constantly changing landscape like that. So, I think there there is some credit to um, uh, to be given uh, uh, if like I think slowness is okay as long as it ends up being a stable environment within which um, uh, you know you can operate and you don't have to worry about you know your your kind of model being upended uh, you know one or two months later. Um, and again, to throw a bone to the anarchists out there, you could argue that like you know if there was no regulation, there wouldn't be any of this uncertainty in the first place, which is yeah again a pretty valid. Uh, perspective to take so you could argue that you know um, less is more and again like even though um even though i do recognize like there are some forms of regulation that i'm okay with i, I do think that there does have that there is often a tendency to to um to to over regulate you know if you're you know if if you're a hammer everything looks like a nail and you know that applies to uh, uh, uh to state apparatus as much as anything else um, but yeah, just just want to clarify that I'm not I'm not completely hunky dory kumbaya and then like oh everything's okay we'll just do it even better like there there is some stuff that we we got to get rid of. Do you feel that these regulations or the slowness of adopting any regulations, it's primarily due to the chartered banks, the insurance industries? They're just humongous businesses that they have so much power and clout here in Canada. And as a result, it's causing some real problems with having anything move forward with lawmakers. Um, I'm just curious what anybody thinks about this. Anybody have any ideas? Uh, throw it out there. Whoever wants to talk first and answer it, I'll be happy to listen. Well, I'll, I'll jump in quickly. I, I'm not sure I agree with this idea that Canada is particularly bad in this regard. Um, I, I think if Canada was really like um, much worse than average, um, then we just wouldn't have as many Bitcoin businesses as we do. And I think, to be mm -hmm. honest, like Canada punches above its weight when it comes to, um, you know, the, the amount of, uh, um, uh, yeah, the amount of activity we've got going on here. So, you know, I like, and, and, you know, I can't, there are a few um, kind of clues we can point to that indicate that Canada has done all right. You know, for example, like they, you know, the Senate, um, or sorry, was it the Senate? Uh, I forgot the, the group, but they, they'd invited, you know, Andreas Antonopoulos to speak, you know, back in 2013 to find out um you know what uh, what this whole bitcoin thing is about and like that kind of indicates some foresight some willingness to listen to you know the the um uh you know the actual community itself and uh, you know so i i don't i you know i i don't think we should feel too sorry for ourselves like uh, and that's not to say there isn't room for massive improvement but um um but a, a, another another thing that comes to mind is that it's actually been um you know from from a lender's perspective, um, Canada has been um, uh, much easier to operate in and know what services and products we can offer uh, compared to uh, the United States. There, there, um, there are a lot of advantages, and you know it varies a lot more state to state. Um, 
but uh, but this idea that Canada is just like in particularly in particular um, kind of a, a worse place to uh, start a business is I uh, you know I I don't think I think that's a bit a bit overreaching. Yeah, from my perspective, I agree with Mario. I, I don't think we should slam Canada as being any any better or any worse than than other you know call it G twenty countries out there. I think the reality is, to your point, Len, there's no doubt that there is a lobbying group out there. I mean, that's very very powerful in the financial services sector, and the banks here in Canada are that. I mean, um, to a certain extent, I don't know if it's any different in the U.S. What's interesting is we know about the banks. Pardon my life, they're sucking and blowing at the same time. I mean, they may, may, may not want to, you know, to allow, you know, cryptocurrencies to be transferred, you know, globally on some things. And yet at the same time, they're investing heavily in blockchain. We know that. I mean, they're, they're doing, you know, on, on all these areas. So um, I think, you know, I think the reality is that this has been a bit of a tsunami of, of information and technological revolution over the last few years. I mean, let's think how quickly all this has come upon us. So I think at times there's a lack of education. I, I mean, I often joke, people think I know what I'm talking about in blockchain. I mean, I, I say I got a great three level education because people have no clue about anything. I sound smart. Um, so I, I think, you know, I think there's no doubt that there, there's some resistance out there. But I think that's more out of a lack of education. And, you know, again, we're, we're seeing things move, you know, in, in many ways. I think we're seeing things move very, very quickly, both in Canada and around the world, as to how to adopt this changing environment. Is the OSC and the IROC, I think that's the, the acronym, are, are they, do you think that they're pro-Bitcoin, anti-Bitcoin, or they're neutral in their stance? Because in some regards, I could see if they've been good. In other mm -hmm. regards, I see that maybe they've put up some barriers that should have been taken down. Sure. But I'm curious what, you know, we'll start with you, Carlo. What are your thoughts on those two? Maybe not the OSC since you don't operate, um, I believe ShakePay is in Quebec, so you may not operate directly with them. But in terms of the regulatory bodies, um, how, how, was, uh, how do you think that it impacts ex exchanges? Is it something that's causing issues or are they working directly with you guys and it's uh, advancing the cause? What are your thoughts? Uh, can you repeat the other one? The OSC? Yeah, I'm not familiar with the OSC. The Ontario Security Commission. So yeah, sorry, so we, we work with uh, uh, yeah, FinTrack obviously, and uh, mm. uh, AM, uh, AMF. Uh, sorry, and um, yeah, not familiar with the OSC. But in terms of you're talking about the the, can you repeat the question? Sorry, I'm not sure. Like, so, is there sort of how does that affect us to be able to operate or grow? Yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some like there's some like you know regulatory agencies that. Instead of, and Len, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure. going to try anyways. The the uh, the the regulatory agencies, I think, sometimes err on the side of conservative outcomes as far as for something um, you know the OSC is fond of recently is this sort of uh, veil of risk prevention for consumer uh, investors, and so you saw the removal of Binance, for example, in the last six months, Bifinex as well. And so, you know, what do you guys see in, in your businesses from provincial or federal regulators? And, you know, I think the second piece of this question, you didn't ask it, Len, but I think this, the natural second piece is what advice would you give to regulators who want to, you know, co correctly, rightfully so, prevent uh, consumer, you know, self-destruction, but also allow people to make investments that could potentially be good for them once they sort of have the knowledge base? What, uh, what do you think? 
Look, easy question there. Well, very simple. Well, I'll jump in and I'll give Mario and Claudio a chance to actually come up with a good answer, and I'll just babble. Um, so a couple of things. I mean, Len, one thing you should know is let, let's give let's give Canada credit where credit's due. The OSC did allow a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, the U.S. is still fighting. The SEC is nowhere near that that to that point. So, um, you know, and again, all these regulatory bodies. To their credit, I mean, they have certain obligations. What you know, and I, I know a little bit about the OSC, and I don't know if you're referring to IROC earlier, the IROC, which is again the investor. So again, the, their number one objective is to protect the consumer. To their point, and and, and I think that they're, you know they're doing that job. We have now, as in a go public method, we decided to go through the BC Securities Commission, which is just the parallel of the OSC, because our our, our we are a BC company. That's why we we went through them. And again, they ask all the questions. I mean, you file a prospectus. They want to understand that you know you've got sufficient capital to exercise exercise on your business plan and the like. Um, I mean, I would say they're they're neutral. I mean, in the sense of I don't think the OSC or IROC per se are for or against Bitcoin in the same way that they're not necessarily for or against buying General Electric or buying Amazon or buying a mutual fund or a hedge fund. I mean, their job is looking at transparency, disclosure, is 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 all that there, you know, from a from you know from a company that's looking to list. And as I said, let's give credit where credit's due. I mean, the OSC and Canadian markets were far ahead of the US, who still can't, you still cannot buy. You know, again, a, a direct, you know, a, B, a BTC, you know, three uh, IQ. I think here is like it's Fred Pye and his company are were the first ones. I'll give a plug to Fred. I mean, he, they did a great job, and you know, you still can't do that in the U.S. So, you know, Mario commented earlier, Canada is, I would argue, in some areas we're, we're better and far more advanced and open than the U.S. Anybody have any follow up to that? Or did they want to slam any of the uh, regulators? I'd love to hear some, <laughs> some negative feedback. I know, I know, I know. If we weren't on the show, you guys would run in that direction. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I you know you're not going to lure me in with that one, there, uh, guys. <laughs> uh, I, I will, I will say that um, it is, it is uh, labor intensive. Uh, there are a lot of uh, checks and balances, and for us, it's the. Uh, uh, Autorité des marches financiers, so the AMF uh, is the equivalent. And yes, like there, there are things that we have to do because we have to fit into this box, right? Of like, you know, this is what a money services business, uh, this is the steps you have to follow. And so not only is it, uh, is it, is it robust, but we're also an early stage company, right? So we want to build products for our users that get them excited. And this stuff doesn't necessarily fall into that bucket, but we have to, because that's, that's the decision that we made, uh, you know, the, the business that we want to do. And this is the landscape that we're in. Uh, so does, is it, you know, I think for entrepreneurs, I agree with Mario and Oded, Canada is, a, it gives you a, a way better opportunity to succeed um, then just because of the infrastructure, the opportunity is w way more like the odds of, of, of making it in Canada as an entrepreneur are probably higher. Maybe the upside on the other end is better in other markets. Uh, but uh, we do have support for our entrepreneurs here. And I think the finance space is just heavily regulated all over the world. And I mean, I, I can't give you, 
you know, I can't, I'm not going to start slandering stuff. You know, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work and we do it. We do it because we want to, we want to, we want to change the world. And that's kind of the landscape that we're in right now. Okay, Mario, your turn. Last chance to, uh, you know, slander. Yeah, something. I don't know Come anything on. about regulations, guys. I, like, I, uh, I uh, no, I mean, can't you ask about Taproot or something? No, I honestly, like, I, I don't mean to cop out, but I, I like, I don't have much to add to what uh, Dan and Carlos said. And, uh, um, you know, the, um, I, I could blow spoke, but I'm not going to. No, nothing wrong with that. I think the, the, you know, maybe the last question we have for you guys, uh, before we get into something that's not on the list of questions we sent you that I haven't even told Len about, uh, that we will ask before you go the the bank of canada right here with your own question not is- not yet not yet i got one more here uh the, the bank of canada uh policy position in sort of um monetary response as, as far as it relates to interest rates and other um like carlo mentioned earlier mechanisms to prevent economic uh, disasters mm-hmm. these are important to you guys for different reasons but um, they're important to you all the same and I'm curious as to what you guys think is the most likely sort of medium term outcome for something like interest rates or something like, um, you know, the, the, the ecosystem around the support that you've been getting indirectly from easy money, because let's face it, uh, you know, Len and I talk on our show all the time about the nature of executing a strategy that revolves around something like your home equity line of credit and Bitcoin or your home equity line of credit and equities. And that's only possible because the money is basically free, even for someone with, uh, you know, the retail facing tools that he and I have, and certainly the three of us have as well. So what, what would you say are your sort of biggest risks and, uh, what do you see medium term as, as monetary policy looks to maybe be leaning towards tightening here in Canada? I'm only laughing because you're just constantly trying to put us and get us, get us. I just want, no, I want to know, I want to know what your risks are. Like, you don't have to listen. I don't no, think they're no, actually, no, gonna, I, to kidding. be honest with you, I don't think they're going to raise rates that much. That's a story yeah. for another time, but you uh, guys yeah. have to be positioned like they're going to, and you've benefited. Yeah. I think it's fairly, fairly certain that you guys have benefited from easy money policies, even if not directly at your companies, your customers are spending more than they would otherwise be spending. There is no doubt. Yeah. So I'm curious as to how you guys are positioning yourself in a in an environment where maybe things get a little tighter for the people that you're serving. Well, I, I can give an easy easy answer to give them time to think. Um, but um, I um, for us uh, again, we we are uh, you know blessed with having a, um, a much much wider um, uh, client base, such that you know the actions that happen in Canada in terms of you know the regulatory stuff is 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 more relevant. Uh, more directly relevant to us, you know, since we are, you know, regulated by the OSC and FinTrack and all that. Um, when it comes to stuff like monetary policy, because our client base is distributed so widely around the world, uh, we are somewhat insulated in that um, compared to a, a company that has specifically uh, Canadian uh, retail clients. Um, at the same time, just, you know, we have to be prepared for both, right? You know, if we could predict exactly, you know, what inflation is going to do, then, um, uh, well, I mean, like that would be great and there'd be plenty of advantages, but, you know, we, we, we are building a long-term business and, uh, you know, it's got to be something that isn't dependent on, uh, you know, like we can't, we can't be banking our business uh, based on, uh, you know, whether or not we expect, um, you know, inflation to go to a certain rate or, you know, uh, 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 you know, the, the Bank of Canada to raise or lower rates. You know, of course, if, uh, you know, interest rates uh, increase, um, you know, and it, 
becomes like more expensive uh, to take out a loan, then of course, Bitcoin backed loans will look more appealing at the same time, you know, that might affect the amount of, uh, you know, capital that's available in the space. Um, you know, so I guess this is a long way of saying it's complicated. And um, uh, yeah, we, we, we are, uh, you know, able to take advantage of a wider client base. So we aren't as vulnerable to that. Um, but, uh, you know, now Oded and Carlo will give you just a very detailed answer of what it's like <laughs> to be, um, you know, a more Canadian oriented uh, company. Carlo, you want to start or you want, you want a little more time to think? I got I got lots of opinions. No on one likes these questions, Julian Lance. What's going on? Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, all right, I got lots of opinions. Take, I'm with Joey. First of all, I don't think rates are going to back up a lot more. I do think there's a necessity for rates to back up. But let's take a step back again. Is Let's all be recognized that we benefited, to your point, Joey, from low interest rates environment because we're risk assets. I mean, that's that's helped. I mean, in many ways, one can make the argument that people are looking for opportunities out there because, you know, they, they, they want they want to grow their net worth and they can borrow at a cheap rate and, and invest in some of these risky assets. I'm not going to get into the whole issue right now, whether Bitcoin is disinflationary, inflationary as a hedge, because again, it's still a risk asset. I may believe that it's crypto gold long term, but even gold hasn't moved in the last year. So let's like let's leave that aside. Um, I do believe rates aren't going to back up. I'm probably one of the last peoples in the world out there who still sit, believes in transitory inflation, because I, I think that once we get through some of the supply chain concerns, I just think the reality is things. It's there's not a lot of pricing pressure long term for people to create. And again technology and blockchain blockchain is disinflationary it's again you're going to be able to do things more cheaply over time you know and that that's that's my belief um you know i think that you know to mario's point i think and this is very important i can't operate my business necessarily worrying about our rates going to back up a quarter point 50 basis points or 100 basis points what really i'm trying to do is say listen we have a true value proposition um, there's no doubt that if rates back up too much, it costs me more money to borrow. And I may be, may be more aware of that. And I may not borrow as much to invest, but in the end, have I got a business that's going to survive? I mean, is, is it solving a problem? Are we doing the right things? Whether it's in my indemnity lock on the insurance side, am I charging a good rate for my power? You know, as things move up. So you got to run your business. Um, you shouldn't be worrying necessarily about inflation or you worry about, it, excuse me, but that's not forefront to me um you know we can get into a whole global macro thing joey like that's probably over a couple of vodkas or some beers but uh you know and we're probably both going to be wrong um but i i do believe i believe the bank of canada knows far more than than we do and i believe the fed does um and i also i'll say leave one last thing i think it's very very difficult to move rates up too too quickly because fortunately and unfortunately we're a very leveraged society and and again, this is not even the the poor individual or the individual who's got a million dollar mortgage. I I know based on what I heard from people with ultra ultra high net worth back in 2008, they're out there borrowing at 20, 30 basis points because they can. And what they're doing then is investing it. Mm -hmm. And if rates back up too quickly, they're just going to call on their loan and they're going to pull themselves out of the stock market. It's a tough position that the Fed has and the Bank of Canada has. I think we're, we're hopefully going to come back to a new normal. And I'm positive about that over time. But I don't believe rates are backing up too, too much. That said, I've got to run my business like, you know, it's got how it's going to work, whether, you know, whatever. Uh, the, the prime rate is a quarter basis points or 2.25. Yeah, not much. Uh, not much I could add there. I mean, look, if there's uh, 
if there's no food on the shelves, uh, everyone's business is going to suffer everywhere, right? You're not, you're not, nobody's immune to that. Um, so uh, I will say that, you know, if there is a tightening and a retraction, I don't, and I agree with, with the, uh, the idea of, uh, you know, four rate hikes, uh, whatever they're talking about in, in the U.S., and that's going to happen over the next, you know, six months. I don't believe that would happen. It would be, it would be destructive. And, uh, but the idea of, a tightening of sorts, um, you know, just as entrepreneurs, you have to think about what your value proposition is sort of to what Oded was saying before, like how much value are you bringing to the market? Um, if you're just this, you know, uh, like, um, you know, you know, for us, we're, you know, we pride ourselves on this, you know, wonderful experience, uh, rewards and excitement and low barrier to entry, uh, a tightening maybe means people have less capital to deploy towards uh, Bitcoin, but uh, it also gives us an opportunity to build on those relationships with our with our users to you know feel more confident than ever that if the Bitcoin that they do buy, they should be buying it with us. So uh, again, you have to focus on your business. Uh, you know, investors understand that you know what the Bank of Canada does or the Fed does with the rates is out of your control as well. Uh, so yeah, you're you know I guess. It, a, a horrible way of saying that there's nothing you can do about it. So control the things that you uh, work on the thing, control the things you can don't necessarily fuss up on the things you can. I like that answer. Len, I'm going to, unless you have some other question to ask these guys, I have one, like I said, that's not on the sheet. Uh, that's actually unrelated to foot speed. People who watch the show will, will know that I always ask questions related to foot speed at the end, but I'm going to skip it today. Uh, I want to know, since you guys are the first panel, we brought you on because we think you're, you're bright people Y'all have a different uh, perspective. I think the listeners and viewers got a lot of that perspective tonight. So we appreciate that first and foremost. I want to thank you for your time. But before you go, uh, you know, I, I, I always hear on these podcasts that I listen to, the guys who are doing the shows ask their guests, what are they reading and watching right now? And I don't typically care what people are reading and watching because I have better stuff to do than read or watch things. But I find myself both reading and watching more things the last two years because of, uh, you know, rotating policy positions from municipal governments, to put it diplomatically. So what are you reading and watching right now? It's keeping you sane. Mario, we'll start with you. Um, <laughs> uh, just like in general. I yeah. um like you reading any books? I've been, I've been watching The Expanse recently. Um I uh big fan of The Expanse, getting through the new season, and I'm watching Death Note. It's the first anime I've ever enjoyed. I almost feel like this is a weird answer. I thought this is gonna be something I've gotta give, you know, uh, like some you know, economist blog or something that's you know helping me stay sane in it. I mean, in that regard, like you know, Lynn Alden, I I absolutely love reading her stuff, she's great. Um and to uh, actually, to be honest, I, I read a lot of. Um, if you guys are familiar with No Opinion, Noah Smith, he's um, he's a lot more left leaning and Keynesian than a lot of people in the Bitcoin world would um, would uh, uh, would prefer to read. But I, I I've been reassured actually a lot uh, in the last few years that um, a lot of my concerns about stuff like MMT and uh, kind of um, uh, kind of extreme left uh, uh, kind of ideas about finance. I've been kind of reassured reading his stuff that actually a lot of that stuff is actually more fringe than I think we realize. Um, and uh, I, I kind of get reassured that even if I like, um, I'm a bit more centrist than he is. Um, I, I, I do find that his content is um, it's reasonable and it's not, it's, it's easy to get caught up in social media because 
you know, there's this tendency to amplify fringe voices and for, you know, people to find some absolute kind of, you know, crazy, terrible take. And that's interesting stuff. And that's what lands in your timeline. Um, but uh, yeah, so I find reading his content, it gives me more kind of charitable view of the um, of uh, uh, kind of, yeah, leanings I don't necessarily agree with. Um, so that's been reassuring in that regard. I read a lot of Substack. What else? Astro Codex 10 is great. Um, again, not really, not all completely relevant to, to what we normally <laughs> talk about. And there's a cool one called uh, Razib Khan uh, writes really cool stuff on uh, on kind of human beings, uh, genetic history and migrations and stuff. So that should keep you guys busy if you want to branch out into some, uh, some non-Bitcoin stuff. For a guy who didn't really have an answer there when you started. Yeah, what's I, what's I sure did give a lot of content. I like, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to give like, uh, I wasn't sure if it was supposed to be an economics and like Bitcoin question or not. Once I realized I didn't have to stay in that box, I just uh, let it rip. Everyone needs a break. Okay, Carlo, what about you? What are you reading? What are you watching? Um, what well, I don't watch much. Uh, I don't, yeah, I got two kids, uh, they're young and uh, dogs, and, and yeah, same pretty like Odette, not five. I mean, I know my two are all mine, you, you, got, you got some explaining to do. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, so um, I recently picked up um, what's his name, Adam, no, David Graeber, a book called Debt, the first 5,000 years, uh, and he's an anthropologist that it's it's like 600 or 700 page book uh really expansive research on how the concept of debt came to be and throughout history how it's evolved i'm only you know i don't know like 30 or 40 pages in but uh it's really uh, really interesting uh how you know I, I think we have this understanding that you know debt is uh debt is a part of our our, our world and it, we kind of go, go through it blindly in society that it's uh, something that we need to um to function and uh you know there are there there is the argument that in a in a bitcoin standard uh, there will be no debt right because um you know people just by the nature of what bitcoin is and through deflation uh, if you want to if you want to invest in something and you have to part with your bitcoin you're going to you're going to make you know doubly triply sure that you're putting your money into something uh, into something that's going to yield you a return so you know it'll be bitcoin in exchange for equities um and um and so that's a fascinating read uh, i'm just getting started with it so it goes really through like the history of of you know trading uh trading you know bones and salt and 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 to all the way to today so uh who do i listen to i listen to um I listen to Preston Pish a lot. He's he's great. I love listening to the the uh, Canadian the, uh, Bitcoiners podcast. The, the, the Canadian <laughs> Bitcoiners podcast. Yeah, That's, never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> You're like insert uh, overlay Canadian Bitcoiners podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> I'll fix that up in, in post for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah and no other podcasts uh, so i'll stop there now. yeah i don't i don't watch tv and uh yeah spend most of my time uh, with my kids when it's free time and if not just reading there's nothing wrong with that oh dad how about you buddy uh i'm reading uh, uh um john bolton it's uh it's the the man in a room i mean it's uh he was a national security advisor for trump uh it, that guy's an interesting character if you know anything about bolton he's he was a he's a real hawk um, and again, how I, I don't think he ever really had a love affair with Trump, but how he was part of it. And then he basically walked out the door. So really interesting. I mean, I love biographies. I love that kind of stuff. So it's uh, so that's that's kind of cool. Um, you know, and I, again, not to make it 
to I'm, I'm reading as much as I can, obviously, what's going on in the world and blockchain and Bitcoin. It's I, I'm just finding it more and more interesting as again, as it, as it matures, as I said earlier, um, as far as watching, uh, there's two things. I mean, I watch sports like crazy, uh, you know, which is one thing. I mean, but my wife and I are binge watching. I'm rewatching Ozark uh, because she's never seen it. And we're halfway through season three and season four starts this weekend. And we all, the other thing we watch is Yellowstone because I want to own 300,000 acres in Montana. Um, and I, I want to be, uh, yeah. So I want to be Kevin Costner. So those are the two real things and uh, a lot of fun. And yeah, like it's like whenever I can watch the Leafs or the Raptors as well. Joey, I'm you? shocked that nobody no, said this. The Fiat, I still haven't received my copy, the Fiat that, standard. And- and nobody's reading the Bitcoin white paper. I thought this is something everyone reads on a daily basis. What's going what on, you, gentlemen? What are you reading? What are you reading? You got a young kid too. Are you reading anything? Watch anything? Myself? Yeah. What do you? Who else am I talking to? I already asked everyone else. This You're is reading it. the fiat I, standard. That's what I'm reading right hey, now. That's the only. Book I want to ask reading. Carlo. Are you reading Brown Bear? Brown Bear. Have you ever read that? I mean, I got you got young kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reading. I'm reading the. I'm reading the white paper to put my kids to sleep. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. That's good. That's good. There you go. I haven't yeah. got past the second second the second sentence. It's, it right. looks like a charm. Like Don't it. watch Caillou. Caillou's a whiner. Don't ever watch Caillou. Okay, I won't watch Caillou. My kids are five and two, so. Uh, okay, yeah. Dora the Explorer is good. That's yeah. stuff. It's still rocking Dora. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> one thing, we got to turn the tables. Joey, the question goes to you now. Answer them. Um, I am uh, actually when I'm when we're done here, I'm gonna go watch uh, Righteous Gemstones with my wife. We started watching that yesterday. I'm not usually one for like really crude humor but i that guy who plays kenny powers i forget his name uh D- danny something he that guy's hilarious he everything that guy does i think is pretty funny so i'm gonna watch that and uh, i am reading right now i'm probably 100 pages into the ray dalio book uh changing world order that's cool yeah it's it's, it's been pretty good so far and as you know i was saying to len the other night you, you can't avoid it's funny carlo you mentioned debt the first five thousand years so that's a book i haven't heard of but it seems to me that if you're in bitcoin for long enough you end up reading about debt cycles and why debt is important to modern economies and how it can be detrimental as well. And so I find myself reading this book, which is ultimately about the long-term debt cycle. So I'm interested in, in seeing how that turns out. I may be living through uh, the end of one right now. So uh, that's Danny that's, McBride. Uh, that's the name that, uh, that's right. Was. That's right. McBride. So, okay, w- w- this is it. So we're done the panel. Why don't you guys tell people where they can find you? Mario, we'll start with you. Yeah, um, I tweet a lot. Look for Mario underscore Gibney. Uh, I do my own podcast. Disappointingly, Len and Joey didn't list it as something they're listening to these days, but it is the Unhashed podcast. Uh, so check us out. And uh, yeah, give us a look at Ledin. That's uh, L-E-D-N dot I-O. And uh, yeah, see you guys around. Carlo, you're up. Uh, show show sponsor, ShakePay. Uh, we're happy yeah. we're happy, uh, happy to have you guys as a sponsor. And so uh, I'm hoping you'll talk about them a little bit in your outro here. Uh, enough said man you've done you've done such a great job uh <laughs> propping us up but no uh yeah i mean i i, I work on uh, on business development and partnerships at shake pay uh all the exciting uh you know business relationships and opportunities for other brands uh, to work with us and that we can work with uh so that's that's you know where i spend a lot of my time in sort of that b2b space it's really exciting to be kind of having your hand on the pulse of of how businesses who are not in bitcoin see bitcoin and want to you know participate in it somehow all from you know retail to uh, to sports entertainment you name it um so that's uh, that's a really you know for me it's it's 
the best job in the world. I love the work I do. I get to orange pill people on a daily basis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I, I'm blessed for that. Uh, and you know, uh, there's my Twitter handle. I don't, I'm not like I, I'm on Twitter every day, I tweet once in a while, I'll retweet. Uh, otherwise, yeah, you'll find me, you'll find me on, on, on email and on the phone speaking to, uh, <laughs> speaking to heads of state, trying to get them to adopt the Bitcoin <laughs> standard. That's my job, man. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Thank you, sir. And uh, Oded, let people know, man. Uh, yeah. So, like, uh, again, we're we're grinding away, looking forward to to be public a uh, public company on the Canadian Securities Exchange over the next couple months. Email uh, Oded at oceanfallsblockchain.com and on Twitter at Oded underscore Orgil O R G I L. Um, yeah, and that's uh, so. Thank you, guys. Like, this has been fun. Um, Joey, I know we were going to talk hockey. We'll do that another time. I, mean, I was going to ask you about that. You didn't say yeah, a thing we about should, hockey. We should ask. I know because people listen to the show okay. want to know. That was a big part of your last because right, so I don't think I don't think yeah. Mario and Carlo know either. You got to tell them where you've been. Yeah. So again, well, I'll say it, guys. Look, this is uh, right before I got on. I I left for Israel in the mid November and I played in a charity game there with you know legends of Russia hockey. So Slava Fatisov there was there. Mishkin Yakusev, uh, McGilney showed up. I'll tell you about that in a second. We played against. I used to play for the Israeli national team, so we had a charity game. It was a ton of fun. Um, you know, Slava Fatisov is 63 years old, but he can still fire the puck. And uh, it was like, it was a lot, it was a lot of fun. And McGillney hurt himself while he was there. So he didn't even play. Like I, I this shook guy was injured even in retirement. Well, exactly. <laughs> I, I said to him, Alex, I came across the ocean for you to blow by me and hear you chickened out, you know? And uh, so that was, uh, it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And that's in now. We're, we're planning actually potentially another event uh, in the summer in Israel to maybe celebrate 50 years of uh, the 72 Summit Series to try to bring some Canadian vets uh, who played on the 72 Series against some Russian guys. So, oh wow, that um, would be that would be epic! Wow. Yeah, it really. Yeah, we're uh, we're working on that right now. So um, yeah, there's. But Ocean Falls has got me busy 80 hours a week. <laughs> that's good. I like it. Uh, that's it, what friends. Do, we're do, signing. Where do, do you stand? Where do you stand on hockey? There, Joey. You wanted to talk hockey. What? Did, what? What's your? I. I don't know that much about hockey, to be honest with you. I watch a little bit of Leafs here and there if it's on. I'm a playoff hockey guy only. If you want to talk Raptors, I'll talk Raptors with you. But uh, unfortunately, uh, the Leafs not really my wheelhouse these days. How can you watch? Like, I think the last Leafs game I watched start to finish was that one that they, they were like winning 4-1 in Boston in a game seven and end up losing. <laughs> Joey, that that's, like, that's 11 years ago. <laughs> Joey, it's 11 years like, ago. Like, I can't. Well, so why would I watch after that? Like, you know, fool me once, shame on me, right? Or whatever the, uh, you know, whatever that saying is. So there you go. That's it. Len, are we done? We're done with these guys, eh? We're done. I done. think Kick so. us off. Kick us off. Get We're out done. of here, guys. guys. Thank you. Good night guys, and God bless. Thank you so much. Carlo Mario. Yeah, it was great meeting you guys. Pleasure to chatting. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, keep it up. You guys are crushing it. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Take care, everybody. Right. Cheers, guys.